Hey there, sister. Welcome to Girl Out of Order, a podcast for women like me taking actual steps to more fully embrace their unique selves and stop trying to fit into someone else's mold. I'm your girl, Christine, and I'm a multi-passionate entrepreneur, lawyer, and mama to my very own girl gang. I am fired up to help women transform what seems broken into the fuel they need to become the champions of their own damn lives. On Girl Out of Order, you'll find a community without comparison, a place where you can come as you are, but leave changed and inspired to never again deny a single part of your beautiful self in a quest to fit in. So if you're tired of feeling like you're too much and yet never enough, Girl Out of Order is your home. When you start believing that not fitting in is the perfect fit, contentment, vision, and joy will surely follow. So girls, if you're ready to do the brave work, come on in and let's get started. Oh my goodness, you are in for such a treat today as we have as our guest today, the incomparable, highly energetic, frankly, one of the most contagious people I've ever met, Jamile McBride. Jamile, welcome to the Girl Out of Order podcast. At Girl Out of Order, we are all about real talk and about teaching, leading, inspiring, and equipping women to live into their full identity, their true identity, and to stop trying to fit into someone else's mold. And so today we have the second installment of the Dream Chaser series where we feature women who are taking non-traditional paths toward chasing their dreams, women that have broken out of the mold, women that are saying, I have a dream on my heart, and even though it may not make sense on paper to others, it is exactly the dream that I am chasing, and I will do it no matter what other people expect from me or expect me not to do. So today, we are featuring the incomparable, energetic Jamile McBride from North Carolina. I met this incredible woman through Unleash Her Power Within, the organization run through Tony Robbins, and Jamile immediately caught my eye and I wanted to lean in and I wanted to learn from her because Jamile has a zest for life that you will immediately pick up on and want to know more about. She has absolutely diverged from her traditional path into this non-traditional path that she is going to tell you about today. And I hope that you are as inspired, as encouraged, and as convicted to follow your own dreams as I have been. So let's welcome to the show the indomitable Jamile McBride. The Girl Out of Order podcast, Jamile McBride. Hello, Christine, my beautiful soul sister. Hey there, girl. I'm so glad that you have joined us for our Dream Chasers series. This is a very important series where we are highlighting women like you who have taken a non-traditional path to chasing your dreams. Would you agree that that describes you? 
Hundred thousand percent. Yes. Here's what I found. I'm so excited to have you on this show. I've been thinking about this probably since we first met through Unleash Her Power Within. Nice. Yeah. You have um, an energy that radiates. You have a zest for life that is contagious. And I'm really confident that you are going to inspire our listeners to chase their dreams and just by your own example. So are you ready? Let's do this. Okay. All right. Tell us where you are in the world. I am in the Piedmont Triad in North Carolina. We get the so many beautiful worlds, the ocean, the mountains, and the city. What is that? What do you mean by the Piedmont Triangle? I can't picture that. So in history, that's we are right in the middle of the state. So we get the mountains, we have the city, like the bigger city, urban areas, and then really close to water. And have so you just, have you always lived there? No, no, no. I was born in New Jersey, and I grew up in Massachusetts. I went to twenty seven schools, so I've kind of been around a lot on the East Coast, um, just different places. So. But I've been here the longest. Did you say 27 schools? I did. I went to 27 different schools growing up. Were you a military family? I was not. I was in foster homes and shelters. Oh, you've got quite a history. Yes, which is why I got into public ed, because it was my saving grace. It was the reason why I was able to eat without being judged or somebody throwing and flipping out. I mean, it was the reason why I was connecting. I'm a high eye on the disc profile, and that was that's my main thing. I want to be friends with you. Let's be friends. <laughs> You're so cute. All right, let's let's back up. Let's unpack that a little bit. Currently, though, before we go back into your into your past that kind of spurred on your mission, tell me a little bit about your family currently. Oh my God, my family is my teachers and they are like my blessing. They, and if I am annoyed by them, they are the very reason that I need to go inside and find out, okay, Jamile, why is this triggering me? So my family right now, I have five children, nine dogs Did and a goat. Wait, nine dogs? Yes. Oh my. Chihuahua had four puppies. Oh so, uh, yes, we're finding homes for them right now. We are caring for them. So chihuahuas, you know, they're tiny. They're not like big dogs. We have two big dogs in the back with the goat. But my the way that my family was created is uh, it was the third baby daddy that was finally when I settled into like, huh, what is going on? I'm on the third baby daddy. You know, what all, so the first baby daddy, he actually passed away from cancer when my son was three. Mm. And then I met someone in church, was really excited. He was the evangelist. I became the praise and worship leader. And we got married, had another child, and then uh, found out he was evangelizing a lot of people outside of our our wedding vows. And I was the last one to accept it. I was the last one to believe it because everybody said, you know where he's at right now, right? And I didn't want to believe it because I said, no way, God. Like, I heard this was it. And uh, that's when a lot of this understanding of listening to my heart, and I left. 
I left with my kids and that's when I met my third baby daddy. And to be honest, it was very tumultuous because I brought all the stuff from my past, everything into this marriage. And it wasn't until seven years of being together that we got to go to an event, walked on fire. And that's when everything kind of unleashed inside of me, like, wait, there's other possibilities. There's other things that can be had. And so our relationship since then has been really miraculous, like a miracle. And this is Casey, right? This is Casey. (laughs) Okay, it's your current husband, correct? Yes. And how many, uh, tell us about your children's ages, because that's quite an interesting story as well. Very interesting story. So my oldest just turned 24, and he has two children of his own. I heard through the grapevine, there's a third one on the way. I We love to multiply. We are Latinos. Don't hate us. <laughs> um, then I have my stepdaughter, who's almost 21 this month. And then my daughter, biological daughter, she's 20. And then I have a nine-year-old with Casey and a two-year-old that I got at 45 years young. (laughs) (laughs) And that is a story. And that's another podcast in and of itself. (laughs) For sure. Mom over 40 with toddlers. Hashtag. If you. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Oh, my gosh. All right. So your backstory is is so interesting and i know that um again i feel like that's another whole podcast where we can talk about your your backstory and your childhood but i think for today's purposes i really want to zero in on um, how you were on more of a traditional path for your career and then how you pivoted so tell us a little bit about what your original career path was So my original career path was uh, being a teacher. And I decided, so as an immigrant's child, it is the the opportunity for the children to be something, a lawyer, a doctor, a teacher, a profession that had a name, a beautiful name to it. And so I mostly gelled with teaching. I started off as teacher assistant. And even before that, like I always gathered up the kids Uh, I always had games to do. Like I was the one there kind of housing them when we went to parties because I really wasn't accepted too much with the teenagers because I didn't know who the heck I was. So I say all that to say it really was the benefit of me growing up in that area because that's why I enjoyed teaching. So one, I enjoyed teaching because of that. And then the other one, it was a respite for me as a child. Like going to school, that's an eight-hour day where you didn't have to hear people get hurt and hear things happening and adult things that they really need to take care of themselves, but a lot I took on myself. So public ed was it. That was my mission. I was driven to help students, especially students that were like me in the past. Mm. And so... Go ahead. No, I, I that you you just spiked something I really wanted to highlight because part of the mission of Girl Out of Order is is building bridges between women with different backgrounds. And yeah. you and I have very different childhoods. I grew up on a farm, you know, in a small town. Everybody knew each other. My family was intact, not happy necessarily, but intact. And what I 
part of what I love about this mission is, is learning from women like you who had very different backgrounds, but it's interesting how our paths were so different. And yet we've met along this road of personal development and dream chasing. And so you said something that I think I want my listeners to hear. I think it's really important. And you, you dropped a little bit of, of facts along the way when you said school was a respite. And I, Knowing what I do already about you, I want to make sure our listeners get to know you and what fuels your mission. So can you talk a little bit about what it, what public school was for you that you needed a respite from? Like what were you experiencing as a child that you needed this, I don't want to call it an escape because I don't think that's fair. You use the word respite, which I think is a much richer word. So what were you um, what were you living through as a child that you wanted to be safe from? Yeah, I was living through a lot of um, abuse. My mom was being literally beat up by my biological father. My father was in and out of prisons. So my mother had to rent out rooms. So there was other men that came in the in the house that to rent out the rooms and they would abuse us. And so my, we just lived in that constant fear that, to be honest, became normal. Like, it was normal to service the abusers. It was normal. It was normalized to offer respite for your abusers. And so mm-hmm. that was really conditioning me. I mean, I was three years old. I started cooking. <clears throat> A funny story I'll never forget. I was underneath the table. And uh, I just have to break this up because that's who I am. Like, yes, stuff happens. But I started becoming that, like, uh, in my mind, like, I had many different ways of of offering respite for myself. And so I was under the table one day, and there was craziness going on, and I saw a peanut on the floor. And the respite was food. But let me get to this for a second. So I picked up the peanut, and I was like, ooh, a peanut. And I threw it in my mouth, and I was like, that wasn't a peanut. That was a raw bean. And so I say that because a lot of times when I'm looking for something and I throw it in my mouth metaphorically, it's not what I thought it was. Yet it was an experience that I needed to know because now I know what a raw bean tastes like. Does that make sense? Like, I believe that a lot of the reasons why I tasted and experienced the abuse was because God, the universe, has allowed me to be very empathetic and understanding for people who have been through trauma, especially women at my age, like over 40, trying to say, oh, I can't do it because I've got to give it for the kids or I can't do it because I'm not skinny enough or or good enough or I can't speak like you or whatever it is. I believe that we are all allowed to taste something and it's amargo, I call it. It might be bitter, but I work in that that, uh, sphere, excuse me. I work in the sphere of let's taste it for a moment, even if it's uncomfortable. It's like a squat. You know squats? We're squatting. It feels like hell in that moment, but then we have a beautiful peach booty. So (laughs) that whole childhood, like there's details and things like that that I no longer really talk about. I talk about the other side of it. Who came out of it? 
And that girl that came out of it, that girl out of order that came out of it, found her own order. And so right. she believed, Jamile believed, that her order was to create order for other people, to create respites for other people. However, so why school? Why did you why do that? Yeah, why did you why did you seek to become a teacher to create that order for people? The majority of the schools that I worked at were all kids like me. Either were living in foster homes, they were in gang violence, something there was some sort of trauma in their life that I lived in. Mm-hmm. And so I was called to be there for them, to be there respite for themselves so when they come in the room they would put all the quote bad kids in my room because those are the kids that wouldn't leave my room they wanted to and they would say f you or whatever like they would be very non-traditional and i would say dude are you hungry like how can i serve you and so i had a car mrs mcbride's car and it had everything in there from pencils to everything there was nothing you could tell me that you didn't have because again part of like you and i have been taught it's not a lack of resources it's a lack of resourcefulness mm-hmm. and so i before even knowing tony i started learning this teaching this like the resiliency of a kid that's been abused is huge like it is a massive power but because we look at them as less than like, oh, poor baby, they've been molested or they've been hurt or something like that. When we do that, we actually are rejecting their highest source of resiliency and power. And so I wanted to see them as such. And I say that because my sister took the other route and became a detective for gang investigations. So my sister was seeing the dark side, mm-hmm. seeing their shadow side. Same uh-huh. students that would walk into my room that, you know, I was serving them and they loved me. But if there was any connection, that's the reason why I came to the Piedmont Triad because of a threat of one of the students. Okay. So let's talk about that real quick because I want I want our I want our listeners to hear that you had this you had this tragic circumstances that from the outside looking in on paper your circumstances could have resulted in a much different life, a much more tragic life. But you went on to get your master's degree in education. Like you didn't stop just, I wouldn't say just being a teacher because that's not fair. That's not what I meant. But you went further and you got into the administration, correct? Yes. Tell me about where, where the trajectory of your career path ended up. So I started off as a teacher's assistant. And I was doing a lot because at least here in North Carolina, when I started uh, about 20 something years ago, there weren't many people that were bilingual. And so I started as a teacher assistant, translating these meetings, translating for parents, you know, just all this stuff. So I really enjoyed that side. I enjoyed the administrative side, like, hey, let's let's get some stuff for parents. So I started just studying. I started going to school. I I was working full time as a teacher assistant and I was uh, doing schooling at night with my kids because I was a single mom then. And so I kept on going and I believe, so they wanted, I kept on having like leadership roles as teachers, leadership roles as teachers. I was sent to the US Department of Ed in Washington State 
and I got to, uh, I say perform, but I got to share my testimony there. And it was really like an amazing walk. Like I savored every part of it. Sometimes it was a peanut, sometimes it was a dry bean, but all of it was part of me growing into who I was because I really enjoyed it. So I became a principal of a school. I was uh, offered three different schools, three schools here in this area that were high with Latinos and Blacks, and they wanted me to be part of it. So there was a little bit of a tug of war in me because I am more, I like middle school. And now I know why I like middle school. Middle school are the years where the kids are trying to figure out who the heck am I? Mm -hmm. So I chose the middle school to go work at and it was the lowest performance school in North Carolina. Unfortunately, it still is. Lots of drugs, lots of gang violence, lots of just constant trauma going on. And so when I went in here, I realized that it was only 9% of our school that was bringing down the morale that was having issues. And let me tell you why, because the focus was only on the 9%. How can we fix the 9%? Nobody was there really focusing on what about the 91%? What about the light side? What about the students that really do come here to learn, to find a respite? But we're so involved with getting SRO, which is uh, student resource officers, and all these things for the 9%, we're pulling a lot of our energy and resources into 9% rather than invoking the greatness of the 91%. And you were a principal so, of this school? Yes, yes. So at that point, I um, started working on that data. I started working on like, how can we reduce so much? And it's called like recidivism and, and all these things. Like, how can we reduce this? Because we are having way too many officers daily on the campus, all that stuff. And so that first year that I looked at that, we reduced it by 27% um, the disciplinary actions because everything is like, you could go back into my years and look at what happened then. <clears throat> and so I, I decided to look at more numbers. Okay, what else can we impact? And we impacted our scores. Our scores actually went up over 15%, which was huge because it was like between three and 6% every single year of growth. And we hit that. So we kept on just looking at the data to show us what really needs to be looked at, not what we see. Hey, Johnny's been in here 12 times. What can we fix with Johnny? But really, what does these numbers look like? And so I started noticing, though, that I was overworking. Okay. I was put, put a pause in that for just one second because I wanted to yeah. make sure I, I, I get the timeline here. But yeah. about how long ago was it that you were a principal at this school? So six years ago, I left. Okay, so six years ago. So then you started to feel that you were overworking. Is that what you said? Yes. Okay, yeah. and how many years ago was that? Was that how many years before you left that you started to have this realization? Uh, so eight years ago. Eight years ago is when that year started. And, and I was, because in the summertime, we have one month off for administration. And when I went back, I was just heavy. I was mm -hmm. like, this is another, it's just another year, same type of stuff. Even if we were reducing things, I was tired. You felt like you were wearing it, down. I was wearing down. 
I was wearing down, even though I love the kids, even though I would wake up and get there by 6.15, even though I still had the passion for the kids, I was, I was wearing down. And so much so that it was felt in the house. Like my relationship with my husband was terrible. My relationship with my kids was not good. Um, to this day, my oldest daughter and I are still healing and working through a lot of stuff because of who that Jamile was back then. Very mm. masculine, very get stuff done, very pushing other things away that I didn't think were necessary. I really love what you just said there. And I think this is something that you and I have connected on after Date with Destiny with Tony Robbins. We, we connected on the masculine side. And it's not that we don't both um, have a strong feminine side, but I think one strong woman picks out another strong woman from a crowd. It's not hard to pick up on your energy. And, and I don't, I feel very strongly that having masculine energy is, is a beautiful part of, of accepting who I am and how I've been designed. And that's why I started Girl Out of Order. It's like, man, I know that God didn't create me and go, oh, who screwed this one up? Who put that strength in her? Who made her masculine? Like, I came off the assembly line, and I can just picture God up there going, this is going to be fun. Here's what I found. You know? So, and I feel that way with you. Like, there's there's a beauty in our in our strong masculine energy, but I'm hearing that it was, it was, being, it was being wielded so heavily that it left a path of destruction, not just in your family, but within you. Is that accurate? Absolutely. And we all, you're right, we all have masculine and feminine energy. What was happening is that the masculine energy I had was the immature masculine, mm. was the dominant masculine. And because I was in the immature masculine, I was pushing my husband to be the immature feminine. He was the one picking up the kids. He was the one, you know, doing all the quote, feminine things that actually society tells us the feminine is the one picking up kids, feeding the kids, all that stuff. So we were both in immature energies and that was the toxicity. It's not that we can't use our masculine energy. Our feminine energy is fierce enough. Yet when we can align the, the, the side of us that we really desire in that moment, magic can happen and you can sustain in a place in a business excuse me in a job that is high intensity when you are aligned mm -hmm. i had my own office i could have gone and literally made a little respite for myself and yet i didn't because of the toxicity that i was allowing myself to live in all right what i and, and i appreciate that and just for our listeners the masculine feminine energy conversation is a big conversation and I, that is definitely something I want to delve more into down the line. So if you have questions about masculine feminine energy, table those questions for now and just lean in and listen to what's coming next because this amazing spirit, and if you haven't picked up on Jamila's amazing spirit, you're not listening, but she had a massive pivot and where she's at now and the dreams that she's chasing now are so different in terms of um, how they show up, but they're informed by the path that she took and the passions that led her to that traditional path. 
So Jamila, tell our listeners what made you pivot from this. I mean, you you were focused. Like you were got your masters in education. You were leading in a, these hard schools and pouring into this. Something yeah. changed. Something made you pivot. Tell our listeners what that was. So before I, I say that part, there was a time that I had a mentor and I said, man, I feel like a bull in a china shop. Mm-hmm. And she was so beautiful because, and she said, who puts a bull in a china shop? And that just made so much sense. Like, yeah, they're not coming into a china shop, checking out the china patterns. They were put in there by systems and the beliefs of like, no, she's too much. We got to get her somewhere in a system. We got to control her. We got to shush her up. And so I just call out all my bulls. Where are my bulls at? Oh, sister. And, And when you said that, I just started grinning because since my earliest memories, um, I would be called a bull in a china shop from my mom, my dad, my teachers, my coaches. And I truly believe that it's the big energy that I brought. It's the the big personality and it it bothered people. Like I didn't fit into the system. I you know, I was born in 1971, back at a time when I couldn't have got a credit card because I was a woman. I couldn't have taken out a loan unless I had my husband co-sign. We didn't have we didn't have high school sports. There were no competitive sports when I was born. Think about that. It's crazy. Yeah. And so when you come out and you're this big personality, you're a bull in a china shop. You're upending things. You're not fitting in. But what I, I've never heard it said like that. Who puts a bull in a china shop? Like bulls don't leave the they don't leave the barn and go, hey, here, where can I find a china shop? Right? Bulls run free. They, they right. live their best life. They show up. They take up the appropriate amount of space because, God bless it, they're fucking bulls. That's what they're designed to do. And it doesn't mean we have to be destructive. But if you put a bull in a situation where they, they, they shouldn't be, it's going to be upsetting. So I'm just, I'm going to have to think about that because I agree. Where are all my bulls out there? They, it, it Take up the appropriate amount of space that you were designed to take up. You don't have to be offensive. You don't have to be destructive. But if you try to make yourself not a bull when you've been designed to be a bull, that's when you're a girl out of order. That's when you don't, you're, you're contorting yourself. And so back to what you were talking about, because I, I want to make sure that we, we get to your next path. You're, you're talking to this mentor. You're feeling like a bull in a china shop. What changed? What made you pivot? So what made me pivot was we had these two sisters from New Jersey, which that's where I was born. I grew up around that area. I knew like there, what was happening. And I kept on asking over and over the school system. I said, we need to move them to a therapeutic school. They're not well, like something's going to happen. And I would get uh, knocked down because of systems. And then said, Jamile, you know, there's a process with paperwork, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I'm telling you, they're coming in aggressive they're having sex with other kids they're bringing in drugs like like i am daily following remember that nine percent i am daily following now less than one percent of my school population to make sure this stuff doesn't happen Mm -hmm. and so at one point they came in late i was following them with the sro because i saw their packed uh drugs in their 
uh, pants, the bottom of the pants. And so I go and I say, hey, look, let's have a good day. All you need to do is just give that to me. And that's it. That's all I said. When I squatted down to get it down from the, from the ground, she kicked me. And I landed on my arm, on my left arm. And the adrenaline, though, because she kicked me and kids saw, and then it went crazy. The SRO had to arrest her. I mean, when I tell you, this was a constant thing. So the adrenaline, I quickly called her mother and I said, I need you to get her here, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and so I went in to write my report in my office and I started having chest pains because when we sit down, we finally sit down and breathe, we are going to get the repercussions of what just happened. And so I told my secretary, I said, I need, an, I, I need you to, I'm having chest pains. So she called 911 and she called my husband. Hmm. By the time I was in a gurney in the, in the ambulance, I saw my husband come up and I saw him through the window. And at that point, I want to cry because I'll never forget thinking, what have I missed? He just got here. He was 30 minutes away. He was a behavior specialist in another school. And I said, what did I miss? And that was the beginning of acknowledging me, of acknowledging the pain. It took me eight months to heal the nerve damage because mm-hmm. it wasn't a heart attack. It was the nerve that I pinched when I held myself. And at that point, that was October. At that point, I was, I was like, now I need something. And my husband started helping me and he started finding out things and that's when we found I'm not your guru and that's when we decided to go and and that summertime we went to New Jersey which is ironic that's where I was born I I want to make sure I highlight something because I have a question about something that you said you said what did I miss what did you mean by that because seeing him there for me when I didn't even ask my secretary to call him, I felt like, how did he know? How mm. am I being protected? Why Why is he here when I'm such a biatch to him? Oh, like, okay. I see what you're saying. So at that point, your your relationship was, obviously, you had said that earlier, not so great. Okay. Great. So this gave you some time to reflect, obviously, took you months and months and then you you found your way into Tony Robbins world when you were talking about I'm not your guru and you yes. started doing some some pretty deep work uh, with your husband presumably correct yeah I started sure started on the healing path what year did, was this do you remember 2017 the summer of 2017 okay so at that point were you still employed in the school system or had you left so when I came back from that summer it was July when I came back, I gave my 30 day notice and we were opening the school and nobody wants to say, see that the administrator is leaving, but I had to do it. I had to jump ship, even though I don't think it's the best path for everybody. But remember, I'm the one that tastes peanuts off the dang floor. Mm. So somehow my spirit, my soul enjoys that type of variety, very almost I don't want to say volatile, but very diverse. Like, ooh, what would this be like? And let me tell you what, it was hell. <laughs> it was hell at the beginning. Well, I said, you said something there that just that made me think of the teachings that, that you and I are so blessed to learn from through Tony Robbins and through Unleash Her Power Within. And when you said, 
that you have a propensity towards variety, that's the uncertainty, the six human needs. We've got certainty, uncertainty. We've got significance, love and connection, growth and contribution. And it's so interesting to talk to a woman like you who's like, oh, I like that uncertainty. I like that variety. And I'm like over here, like queen of certainty. I'm like, ah, you know, the burning, the whole, like if you want to take the island, you got to burn the boats. And to me, it's almost like you... You were going to take the island, you had to burn the boats, and you did that. But at the same time, this wasn't, it wasn't without its challenges, right? Because you didn't jump from the school district to something, did you? Did you have something that you were jumping to? Not a damn thing. It was an idea. An idea to start a nonprofit, an idea to become the respite for other people, searchers like me, seekers like me. However, I live in an area, and I really want to apologize if you are living in my area and you are like me you are those seekers you do want more out of life but at that time there was nobody I was being ridiculed by the very people that I used to work for I didn't get a call from anybody that I worked with or for I was alone I was on my own island I took Tony Robbins teachings literal I would jump in my cold pool every day. I would do my incantations. I would do everything by myself. However, somebody who is connected, connection is, that's who she is. My I, high I is that to connect. I started connecting with me. Mm -hmm. I started having to connect. It was almost a forced finding out who the hell you are, Jamelia. So who are you really? Yeah, so basically, and, and you, you reference high-eyed a couple times, and that's the there's a DISC profile personality test that Tony Robbins uses, and we can dig more into that maybe another time. But what, I, what I'm hearing from you is that you are a woman that seeks deep connection. So this, this time where you were forced in many respects to pivot, this wasn't a like yeah. slow roll from one to the other, kind of like what I'm doing now. Practicing yeah. law, I love you know, love my clients. I'm so honored to be able to serve them in that way. But there's definitely more of a gradual shift for me towards this dream. I love my podcast. I'm doing my demystifying divorce course. Mine's more of a gradual. That it, it's so interesting when I think about it. It's definitely somebody who values security. That's me. I'm gonna slow roll out of this and into the next where there's you who is much more comfortable with variety and uncertainty. You're just like, boom, got to pivot. Don't know where I'm going, but I'm going all the way in. And what I love about what you said yeah. is you took this time to connect with Jamile. Like, who is Jamile? Who is she really? Who is she yes. becoming through this breaking away and moving towards. And so we're, are we still at this time in 2017? Yep, 2017, the fall season, is when I started looking into Joe Dispenza. At that point, I started bringing in other gurus. Like, for me, I call them gurus. They're, they know more than I do. They've been around, and they know more because they've done it, right? They've lived it. They are an example of it. And so I started doing a lot of meditation through Joe Dispenza. And that's when I started realizing, oh, even Michael Singer has a book. It's called The Untethered Soul. Yes, I've and read that. It's one of my favorites. Ah, oh, and one of them, the, who are you? Oh, I'm a mom. I'm a woman. I'm a, I wear glasses. 
And these are all things that our bodies and our 3D versions of ourselves does. But who we are is the awareness of all that stuff. Who we are is the strength and that power, the resiliency that allows us to go on. So I continued this and I was split, which is where we're getting to why I do business now. I was split because I was still in that mentality of the conditioning of the body. So 95% of our, of our thoughts are unconscious and it's been all conditioned in my body. So I was, even though I was doing the actions, right? The mantras, the incantations, my body still was bucking it because I was so conditioned in the past Jamile. So it's taken a good six, seven years of this consistent, every single day I do meditation. And ironically, I was diagnosed as my 30s with ADHD. And Sister, you- preach. Preach, preach, preach. And that's going to be, I'm going to, definitely going to be doing a series on women with ADHD because we show up so differently, don't we? Yeah, yeah. We are that bull for sure. And the systems tell you like, well, you can't sit still, you can't do this. I rebuke all that and, and I sit still anywhere from five minutes to a few hours of meditation. It just depends on where I'm at. And I'll know. We, we know our body knows what it needs and we can trust ourselves for what we need. Even if it says coffee's bad for you, like, is that bad for you personally? Like, let's take everything. And so what I got into was a healing. And so what I do is now I'm a healer. Okay. That you, yeah. Thank you for that. Cause I was like, I'm so enthralled. You, you see me leaning in. I'm just listening to, I was hanging on every word. Love this woman. Love when the, the passion that is so palpable. So I, I want you to tell us you, you had this time of reflection, right? This time of like turning inward, connecting inward. So what is your actual call it career mission now? Like, what do you do? Tell us the name of your business. And then give us a little explanation of of how you show up for your clients. Okay, so the name of my business is Jamila McBride. That's a (laughs) great name. Perfect. (laughs) It is my name. It is my name. And let me tell you that I've worked with several coaches. And the very last coach that I had, she was amazing because she said, Jamila, what is it that you want to do? And we created a course and we created all these things. And she said... And I would tell her these few things, okay, hypnosis and timeline therapy and this. And she said, all of you, Jamile, all of you, everything. Who is Jamile McBride? And so I I was able to identify, man, I am all that. I am the health and fitness guru for myself. Like, who is that Jamile physically? I am the spiritual Jamile. Who is it that I want to ascend to? I am the mama, Jamile. I am the bodacious speaker, Jamile. I am the amazing, wonderful uh, wife to my husband. We are all these things. And so in my business, the main focus is guiding and aligning with people that want to experience their miracle. Because we all are miracles. The fact that we are breathing, we're a miracle. Uh, Mel Mel Robbins talks about 
We are one in 400 trillion of a chance to be here. That's a lot of chances. Like you ain't gonna win the lottery with that. And if we already are a miracle, the minute we take our first breath, what other miracles can come from miracles? Because life comes from life. Death comes from death, right? So how can we balance all this stuff that we have going on? So are just to put it in, in more layman's terms, do you consider yourself a coach, a speaker? What, what do you, what, and maybe this is my own small-mindedness. Let me have small-mindedness, but just trying to put you, listen to me trying to put my girl out of order in a box. I'm not trying to put you in a box. Resist, resist. No, but just help us understand, like, would you say, hey, I'm a coach? What yeah. would you say you are? I'm a healer. You're a healer. a healer. Okay, yeah. perfect. And your healing shows up through your coaching and your speaking and your one-on-one -on -one sessions. Is that fair? Yes. And the modalities will be dependent on the client I have. So if a client is literally Pepsi that wants me to come in and do a team building, it's going to be healing the, and we can talk in the, the terms of um, religious, like, you know, the principalities or the systems, healing the patterns that are not creating the outcomes that we want. That's what I'm healing. It's healing patterns that are stagnant in us because 95% of it is unconscious. And we are identifying the dark side, just like I did it, as a principal, I looked at the darkness, the 9%, and we shifted from there. I know, you can hear him, can't you? Hear what? Okay, good, you can't hear him. <laughs> nope. That's the two-year-old, so he must have escaped one of the one of the people that are taking care of him. <laughs> Not a problem. I was like, no, I can hear the birds here, but I cannot hear your two-year-old. Hey. This is, this is our life, right? We show up as we are in all of our circumstances, and that's the beautiful messiness of this. Um, yeah. I, love, I love the fact that you are, are doing more in your healing, and um, what I wanted to sort of suss out a little bit is um, when you're talking to, to women, like on this podcast, like, Chasing these dreams, like this is very non-traditional, right? This, this, you took this traditional path, even though you had more of a non-traditional upbringing, you still went into a system that had defined expectations and defined procedures and processes. And now you're, you're going a little bit to overuse a phrase where the spirit leads you, right? With the healing, you go where the spirit leads you. And what would you say, um, are some of your greatest challenges with following this non-traditional path towards chasing your dream? The greatest challenges is when I am out of alignment. So for instance, I remember having to say yes to a lot of places because I thought if I didn't say yes, I was not going to be heard or seen or being taken seriously. And by yes, I mean... Uh, different contracts that I got that honestly I took them just for the money, right? I used to work for a publishing company and I would go into schools and I would help them up, uh, help mm. them set up their programs and things like that. And I took it only because I thought if I said no, I was not going to be accepted into something else. Ah. And so 
that's been the biggest challenge is me being out of congruent with myself, congruency with myself. And so that's when I know I'm out of it is because I'm saying yes to people and things that really don't make me feel me. And I'm trying to explain who I am when there's no more explanation needing to be done. Like mm. I've, I've worked with hundreds of people, hundreds. I mean, there's reviews upon reviews and I mean, I'm still at a five star, which I really, really, really thank Google for that. Right. Thank everybody who has said, but everybody that's gone through a session with me feels the shift in their own life. I mean, one of my clients in three months made six figures one of my clients couldn't have a baby and she had some trauma stuck in her body, she was able to conceive. Uh, one of my clients started a movement, which I'm starting to interview the hundred women in this movement from coming to an event of mine who had been stuck with it and she got to do it before her mother passed away. Like the miracles are different, either in financial, in physical health or in their and their career or business, like identifying, being congruent with themselves. Because honestly, one of the things that we are shamed about is our dark side. And if anybody knows who Carl Jung is, until we make the unconscious conscious, we are gonna call everything that happens to us fate. And that's what my mission is is to make the unconscious conscious individually for people, for them to look at their dark side, right? And say, wait, that ain't that bad. In a battery, the only way a battery works is because of the opposite and the negative, excuse me, the positive and the negative. So when we are congruent with all sides of us, the bodacious side, the whole side, the loving side, the beautiful side, the the like, I want to break apart and call you, Christine, because something terrible happened side, mm -hmm. right? When we can align all of our sides, then we can honestly be totally healed from the systems of the world. Okay, so I, lo I love what you said there. What you said, it went, and then something I'm very convicted by, when, when I'm saying yes to things I should say no to, and that pushes me out of alignment is one of your greatest challenges because you are in a more non-traditional path. The beauty of that is that you have control over your time. You have control over what you say yes to. But the challenge is, is to make sure you're not saying yes to things that push you out of alignment. What would you say? And, and you know, just kind of heading in here to the to the end of, the, of our time together, I'm going to give you basically just we've got three more questions I want to get in here. What would you say is your greatest joy if you could just, not, not overthink it, just right out of the get, knee jerk. What's your greatest joy about this non-traditional path that you've chosen? Just whatever first comes to mind. Getting to honor myself and my children now. I love that. And you've seen some benefits to your marriage. We've talked about that. Oh, so yummy. So yummy. Like... He's my best friend. He is everything. Like we fight and it's like, where do we just go from here? What happened? And to be able to pivot, but at the same time, knowing that when he gets into his masculine and it scares me for a second, I'm like, wait, what scares me? Who scares me? And I remember it's the little Jamila that got scared for a second. And I tell little Jamila, Jamila, I got you, mama. You're safe. 
He loves us. You know what I see when you say that? And it actually makes me choke up is I'm, I'm so impacted by that visual that you, that, that picture that of your reality as a child, of you hiding under a table and just eat, reaching for a peanut. I will forever remember that. And you're so congruent and connected with your past and your future and your present. And I think it's so beautiful. Um, what would you say to our listeners, to any woman who feels restless, who's in a system, and even though she might be passionate about what she's doing and the people she's serving, have this dream that keeps waking her up? What would you say to her to give help her have the courage to chase that dream in a way that you have? Connect, reach out, be vulnerable, be open, and be honest with yourself. It's the only way. You're not alone. There's a lot of bulls and a lot of crazy ones out here that we truly honor and desire every side of you. There's no dirty that cannot be washed. And there honestly is no clean that is not dirty. We're all perfect. Like perfect for real. And we're here to enjoy the peanut and the dry bean. We're here for it all. Oh, guys, love you. I cannot wait till we have our first real life in-person hug. It's going to be awkwardly long, isn't it? <laughs> yes. It's yes. going to be so awkwardly long. It's going to be amazing. All right. So my last question for every dream chaser that I interview is, what are your top three routines, Jamile, that energize you and that keep you focused on chasing your dreams? Meditation, 100%, like 100%. Uh, breathing, as simple as that sounds like, freaking breathe. And I'm talking about like right now, if you're listening, just take, take a breath. Mm. And then the last part is moving my body physiology like physically find something i love to do and for me is rowing i love rowing like i'm on there and i'm sweating and things are happening and i sometimes think i hate it but then i was like but i love you but i hate you but i love you and so finding something physical to do because even the feminine energy needs to express physically and if that's sexually with your boo oh baby do it, you know, whatever that looks like. But physically, meditation, and the breath. Oh, I just love that. I am so glad you ended with the physiology because you are up for a very exciting uh, possibility. Tell our listeners about it and then tell them where they can vote for you. Absolutely. So I grew up and food also was my... And so I ended up becoming 337 pounds and I was still me. I was still this wild, beautiful, bodacious person smiling. Like, to be honest, I didn't have problems with men. Okay, I mean, I have three baby daddies. It wasn't the weight. It was why the weight. It was why I was eating the way I was eating. And so recently I've been able to release 40 pounds, four dress sizes by that consistent effort. And so Miss Health and Fitness Competition, like in the last phase before getting on the cover of Miss Health and Fitness. And my dream is to be able to support other women who have stripes. And I call it stripes because when we allow the body to grow, right? 
because of babies, because of life, because of exercise. And there's these stripes on our body. And I want to showcase that that is the norm, that beautiful women are coming from that and that consistent effort. So Miss Health and Fitness, if you go to my pages, any of my pages has the link so that you can vote. And yeah, this would be amazing opportunity. Oh my gosh. And if I am a faithful voter. And I will be putting all the links uh, for Jamile's website, for her Ms. Health and Fitness, um, so you guys can go in and vote and support my amazing, beautiful, gorgeous energy sister, Jamile McBride. I'm so thankful that you've joined us. You truly are a dream chaser. And your story is so inspirational when I think about you as that little girl under the table. And then I think about you as this powerful principle serving these really difficult children with trauma and now the woman that I'm getting to know, the woman who is a healer, who is a servant, the way that you show up for the women in your life is truly an inspiration to me. Um, I admire you deeply and I know my listeners are going to enjoy getting to know you. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Christine. You're the bomb. Oh, I love you to death, sister.